Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. We know that this episode today is going to bless your life and take your vision to the next level. We hope that you can share it, subscribe, and be a part of what God is doing right here at Carleton University, around the world, at Campus Rush. Is anybody in this place ever been in love? Let me just see. You've ever been in love before? Anybody ever been in love? Come on, just raise your hand. Be proud of it. Come on. Ever been in love? Oh, praise God. I just want to see the I just want you to raise your hands. Let, let me, let's see those who have never been in love before. Or you don't really know what love was or love what love is. Okay. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. You know, love makes you do some crazy things. Pastor, would you come real quick, please? Come, 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 please. When you were when you were trying to get the attention of, oh, come, 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 come. Come to the light. Come to the light. Come to the light. When you were trying to get the attention of Mama Oba, you know, what are some of the things that love made you do? Uh, <laughs> hey, first go on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Bishop, at the time I lived in Gatineau. And um, she lived uh, like train yards. So, you know, sometimes I would just wake up at like 6 a.m., shower quick, catch a bus, just so the first, uh, just so the first face she could see would be mine in the morning. Uh, Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Keep going, keep so, going. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we do that once in a while. Uh. Sometimes I just randomly show up. Uh. Uh, just randomly show up bearing gifts. Mm. Uh, you, know, you, say you show up bearing gifts. Yes, I Cynthia, is he telling the truth? Uh, she said he's telling the truth. Praise the living God. Shandara Bahaya. Uh, keep going. Yes, I mean, my, my love language is gifts. I like uh. receiving gifts, so I like giving gifts uh-huh. too. So sometimes just randomly show up with stuff. Um, sometimes just... Uh, a message at like 3 a.m., just mm. a random message to you. Mm. I'm thinking about you. Ah. You know, just, uh, yeah, those are the ones that I can, you know. Those are the ones you can say publicly, eh? There's some other things you cannot say. Yeah, there's mysteries. And, hey! Mysteries. said there are mysteries. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please, just stand here for a second. Please, just stand here for a second. Stand in the light, please. I'm calling all the married men. Come, 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 come. Come. Pastor David, come, 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 come. Oh, come, 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 come. Oh, he's getting dressed. Okay, come. <laughs> Please, the same question. What are some of the things that love made you do yeah. while you were pursuing your wife? I definitely agree with everything Pastor Elvis said. No, 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 no. What did love make <laughs> you do? <laughs> I know one thing in particular. Uh, Naomi used to live downtown. Mm-hmm. When I met her, and I used to live uh, by the train yards, by Manatex. And um, the one thing that I would do, she would work at night. 9 a.m. So I'd wake up early for class, drive to her place, pick her up, drop her off, and do my lunch for her as well. So, um, but yeah, anyways, I just started thinking about some stuff. But yeah, it just, it, one thing that I'll say, <laughs> I started reminiscing, I'm so sorry. It, it made me, it made me very, like, irrational, like, just moves that I wouldn't usually make, you know, like, things that I used to think was super corny, things that you see in movies where you like to make fun of people, like, I just wasn't making any Showing sense. up to the Have you ever seen that movie where they show up to the window and they put the rocks there? Yeah. And, and you put the, you put the, what is it? They have the boom box yeah. over it. Yeah. This day we don't have boom box. You have the Bluetooth, you know. Exactly. Just, You're not in love until you've done that before. Anyways, that's I, me. I just, 
I didn't make I didn't make any sense. Like everything that I did did not make any sense. Mm. Like my mind was like it's like my mind was in a trance. And when I was with her, it was so weird. Like even thinking about it, like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I feel kind of like super sappy being here, but it just makes you move different ways. It makes you move different. You see, love has a way of just making you do things you never want to do. You never normally would do it. But because of love, you end up doing those type of things. I want you guys to stand together real quick. You know, one thing the Holy Spirit was just teaching me. We're going to read this in a, in a second. But the Holy Spirit was just teaching me that, that love, when it comes to love and pursuit, it's literally like going up against a giant. Going up against a Goliath. You see... You know, the, the woman doesn't know your intentions. You don't know what you're really after, but you know that you're after her. So you begin to do things that are crazy. Let's say, for example, going up against the giant that should kill you, but you're taking a slingshot and rocks. That's something that nobody would think of. That's something that's extraordinary, yet, or extraordinary, but yet still you would use it. And at the end of the day, didn't Goliath fall down? So that means that when you are beginning this thing, love will make you do crazy things. Thank you so much, guys. Now, in reading this scripture, there's three things that David was after and that David received after he killed Goliath. I want us to read it really quickly. We're in uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 25. All right, we're going to read it together real quick. We're going to join together and read this. One, two, three, and go. The king has offered. Okay, take note of these three things that he gets. Okay, number one, let's read it. He says, I think David was just like sold at that. I mean, knowing David, knowing his track record, I mean, I think he was just sold. He will give that man one of his daughters. Okay, move on. What does he get? And there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Go on. Oh, there was another one. There was three of them. I think it was worded differently. My version says it like this. It says the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. So you're going to become rich, number one. Number two, he will give him his daughter in marriage. And number three, all his family will be exempted of paying taxes. You see, this offer was so good, David acts twice. If you read the scripture, he acts one time, and then he's like, no, 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 this cannot be, this cannot be real. So then he goes again, and he asks somebody else, and he says, yo, who, what, what do you win if you bring down this giant? And he begins to say, you get, number one, you get to be made rich. Number two, you get the king's daughter. And number three, you, you, your whole family is exempted from paying taxes. Now, I love this so much. It's so interesting because if we backdrop this with 1 Samuel 18, 20, we're going to get into some scripture today. Is that all right? Can we read some scripture? I love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? I really love the word of God. 1 Samuel 18, verses 20. So we're just going to kind of fast forward. After David obviously brings down Goliath, uh, you know the story is, you know, everything that the king promised is exactly what happened. Uh, except um, instead of David marrying the first daughter, he ends up marrying the second daughter, and her name is Michal. Now, I want us to kind of read this, uh, of uh, 1 Samuel 18, 20, to see exactly what transpired right at that point, and then we'll try to understand the context a bit better. Okay, verse, uh, ch 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 20 says it like this. says, Now Saul's daughter Michal was in love with David, and when they told Saul about it, 
he was pleased. Now, we're not going to get to the part to talk about Saul's intention for pushing it and why he was pleased, but we're going to just talk about the fact that Michal was in love. The Bible doesn't say that David was in love with Michal, but the Bible clearly states that Michal was in love with David, correct? Yes, sir. That's what the Bible says. That's what the scripture says. Now, I want us to understand the context by which Michal loved David. Number one, I, I, I prayed on this, and as I began to really look uh, in this scripture, what I found was that at the time by which Michal began to, began to love David, she fell in love with the warrior of David, but she didn't actually also understand the fullness of his purpose because she neglected the worshiper of David. You see, it's a dangerous thing when you begin to fall in love with the performance of a person and not the posture of a person. She fell in love with the performance of David. Why? Because she saw David kill the tens of thousands. You know, she saw him kill the Goliaths. She saw so much happening. His name was buzzing everywhere that she fell in love with the idea of David. But she didn't also embrace the purpose of David. What was David's purpose? Before he killed the giant, he was a shepherd boy in the field playing love songs unto God. That means that that was a part of him that wouldn't die just as is. So the thing about, uh, you know, searching, we're going to talk about on Sunday, shameless plug, come out on Sunday, 6.30, it's going to be crazy. Myself and my dad, it's going to be bananas. We're talking about everything, relationships, Q&A, it's going to be good. Are you excited for that? Oh, come on, are you excited for that? That is going to be amazing. You know, the reason why I know for a fact that she fell in love with the performance and the warrior David and not the worshiper David is because if you go to 2 Samuel, you'll begin to see that when the ark was coming back into Israel, the Bible says David danced to the point, you guys know the scripture, to the point whereby his clothes were ripped off and he was basically naked and he was dancing around in excitement because the ark was coming into Israel. And the Bible says that as the ark was coming into Israel, there his wife stood at the window. She looked down and she says she despised in her heart. And she began to ask questions like, is he not a king? Is he not a warrior? She fell in love with what everybody knew, but she didn't fall in love with who he actually was. When you're entering into love, and my dad teaches me this all the time, when we are in the process of pursuit, you have to be able to understand the fullness of the purpose of the individual. You know, some people say, you know, I hear this all the time, I want to marry a pastor. It's like, it's almost like a popular trend. I hear it all the time. I want to marry a man of God. A man of God. All right, cool. I feel you. I get you. You know, in recent times, I would say like probably in the last maybe five, six years, seven years or so, it's become quite popular to be, you know, married in ministry. It's like a thing. Like everybody wants to be married in ministry, which I applaud. And I'll be married in ministry, all that stuff. It's going to be great. You know, but a lot of people don't understand the fullness of the call of getting married to somebody in ministry. What you see is on the stage. But if I cannot be with you going to this wedding, jumping to this engagement party, going to this party, because I have an assignment, you'll get frustrated because you didn't take in the fullness of my call. Can I help you tonight? God is helping us all. So, you get to this point whereby you only fall in love with the performance. So you're the happiest when it's time to come to church because we get to hold hands together and appear and we can look cute as we're walking to the pulpit and I can assume my seat and sit down and cross my legs like Mama Regina and look good in the corner while my man is preaching down the store. You only get excited when you see the performance. 
But what about the purpose of the man? What about the worshiper? He won't always be a warrior. His first ministry is first a worshiper. First a worshiper. First a worshiper. David was a worshiper before he became a warrior. In fact, his knowledge of him being a warrior came alive as he was worshiping. So his initial purpose was never to be a warrior, but was first to be a, a worshiper. So you understand the difference between this. So Mikal actually, she didn't know what she signed up for. Because the fullness of his purpose was not yet released yet. Are you blessed by that? 1 Samuel 19, 10 to 12 is going to be our main text for tonight. We're just looking at the case of Mikal and David today. Uh, 1 Samuel 19, 10 to 12. If you're looking for a title for my message, it's Ride or Die. Ride or Die. Let's go to this scripture beautifully. I'll read it right here. The Bible says, But then a black mood from God settled over Saul and took over him. He was sitting at home, his spear in his hand, while David was playing music. Suddenly, Saul tried to skewer David with his spear, but David ducked. The Bible says the spear stuck in the wall and David got away, for it was at night. Verse 11 to 14 says it like this. Saul sent men to David's house to stake, stake, stake it out and then the first thing in the morning to kill him. But Michal, David's wife, I want you to just take note of this and underline this. But Michal, David's wife, told him what was going on. Quickly now. I love this. I love this. Listen, you may not like Michal in the Bible, but this last thing that she's about to do right here changes the whole script. It's like a soap opera. This is quickly now. Make your escape tonight. Someone shout tonight. tonight. Come on, shout a louder. Say tonight. tonight. It says make your escape tonight. If not, you'll be dead by morning. She let him out of a window. Good God. Oh, I love this. She said she let him out of a window and he made his escape. Then Mikal, look at this wisdom. Then Mikal took a dummy god and put it in the bed, placed a wig of the goat's hair on his head and threw a quilt over it. Bible says when Saul's men arrived to get David, she said, he's sick in bed. I want to talk to you about this topic, ride or die, for a couple minutes because it, it's it's one thing to fall in love with the performance of a man or a woman, the purpose of a man or a woman, but it's another thing to create an atmosphere for that purpose to thrive. An atmosphere. Now, I know many times when we talk about relationships, specifically talking about romantic relationships, we'll get to some platonic stuff maybe next week, but when we talk about romantic relationships, I, almost everybody goes right to Ruth uh, 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 and Boaz and talks about all that stuff in the Bible, which is great. But the Lord began to open up my eyes to something recently about the atmosphere of relationships. Someone shout atmosphere. The Lord ministered to me and really told me that relationships are partially about atmosphere. Healthy relationships are meant to create an atmosphere for your dreams to be birthed and your visions to launch. That's it. For your dreams to be birthed and your visions to be launched. Can someone say this? Say, my dream will birth and my vision will launch. Now, I asked uh, the creative team to, to get me something. Do they have my nest for me? Could you see if they have that for me? Right quick, if you could bring that. I want to demonstrate something. You have it? Bring it, bring it. Bring it. You're going to stand. You're going to preach with me today. All right, clap for this great young man, anointed and appointed. 
Does anybody know what this is right here? It's a nest, right? It's a nest. Now the Holy Ghost began to minister to me about this, about this nest right here. And it's crazy because, um, like I said before, this is not an, a, a regular approach to talking about relationships, um, but the Holy Spirit works how he wills. Can I flow how the Holy Spirit is flowing through me? Do you want a new revelation on relationships? I believe it's going to bless us. So the Holy Spirit began to minister to me about this thing called the nest. He began to minister to me and said, when you talk about a nest, literally when it comes to eagles, when it comes to any birds, a nest is primarily used for birthing. So the bird would come and she would sit down and she would birth the eggs in the nest. But then if you are a student of birds or student of, you know, those type of animals, you'll begin to realize that there comes a point where the same mother that birthed the eggs in the nest is the same mother that will shake the nest for the baby birds to begin to fly. The same one that makes it comfortable to birth an idea is the same one that makes it uncomfortable so that one thing can leave this nest. And that's when the Holy Spirit was ministering to me that relationships are like entering nests. Where in one thing, you have to be comfortable enough for the vision in you to be birthed. And at the same time, it has to be uncomfortable enough for that vision also to launch. You see, what happens many times in relationships is that the relationship is only comfortable in the sense whereby it's only, uh, you know, I love you, you're great, you're beautiful, you're awesome, you're great, you're beautiful, you're awesome. That's great. But that's the sweet side. But then it comes to a sour side where when the nest begins to be ruffled and your partner is telling you, hey, when we married, you said you were going to do this. This is the time to do this. And you're saying, why are you nagging me? They're not nagging you. They're making sure that the nest is uncomfortable so that the vision can birth. Because if the baby bird does not leave this nest, they will become accustomed to the nest and they will never fly. How can you fly if you're always in the nest? We're always looking for environments that are conducive just for the birthing of a thing. But what about environments that are conducive for the launching of a thing? So when we enter into these relationships, it's a process of entering into the nest. And as we enter into this nest, what happens is it's a combination of sweet and sour. A combination of what? And so the first thing you have to understand from this series is when we're talking about the nest is that the nest does two things. Number one, the nest is a place of birthing. Shout birthing. And number two, the nest is a place of launching. Shout launching. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. These are really going to help you. Two things. That this is good for. Thank you so much. I thought it was just, it was just one. You're good. I'm going to keep this here for the duration of this sermon. Are you being helped tonight? Are you being blessed? So the functions of the, of the nest are in twofold. First one is a birthing place. The second one is a launching, a launching place. Relationships should grant you the support when you're in a season of launching, but also ensure that the nest is shaking so that you would be able to launch that idea. Isn't it interesting that the same people that accepted Jesus are the same people that crucified Jesus? It's interesting that you can be birthed into one environment and that same environment can turn to be able to say crucified. But if they didn't do that, then he would never launch into what God has for him. You're looking for that idea to come out. You have to be able to be in an atmosphere that is conducive so that you would leave that place. 
when we're talking about nests, we're talking about going into the nest. One thing that the Lord was ministering to me expressly is found in Esther 2. A lot of the reason why, Prof, many times this nest analogy doesn't really work. Like, it's great to talk about when you're teaching. But a lot of the times, it doesn't really work practically um, when you enter into, like, practical relationships. Like, have you ever been to a seminar or a church service where you enter just like a service like this where the information is great, but to literally apply it is a bit difficult. I don't know if you've ever been in a service, service or a session like that where you're taking in something, but it becomes difficult to apply that thing. I found that a lot of times it's difficult for us to apply some of these kingdom principles specifically when it does come to relationships simply because of the fact that many times we are not prepared for the nest. We're not prepared. We're not prepared to enter into this covenant. We're not prepared to get to know somebody. We're not prepared for it. The Bible says in Esther 2, and when Esther was being prepared for the king for just one night, the Bible says she spent six months in oils. Hey. <laughs> Let me read this scripture. People think I'm making this up. Esther 2. Before a young woman, before a young woman's turn came to go in to King, Ex, King Xerxes, she had to complete, I'm sorry, 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the woman, specifically for the woman. Six months with oil and myrrh and six months with perfumes and cosmetics. They dunked her in perfumes and oil. To make sure that she was ready for just one night with the king. Now, I'm not saying go into six months and another six months of oils and preparations before you can talk to somebody. <laughs> what I'm saying is we have to take the principle, which is you need to prepare. You need to prepare. Preparation is going to ensure uh, success when you enter the nest. Because the functions of the nest is to make sure that it's conducive enough to birth a thing and conducive enough to launch a thing. It's an atmosphere that you're looking for. It's an atmosphere. Are you with me still? Are you with me? You must be pre prepared before you enter into this nest. I love it so much because not only was Esther prepared with the oils, but she was taught on how to behave before the king. I find that in our generation, we enter into all of these nests with people who are oiled and treated but not taught on character and character formation. Are you ready? Come, come with your things if you're ready. I want to make this as interactive as possible so that we understand these things. Would you come as well? Clap for these guys. I want to make it as interactive as possible. I'm teaching today. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm teaching tonight. I really want to help. Okay, so... What begins to happen, this is what the Lord was ministering to me. When you talk about the oils, when you talk about the preparation that is needed, when you're talking about entering into the nest, I find, like I said, that our generation enters into relationships with people who are very well oiled in the sense, hey, fresh man, Jesus, don't clap for this guy. I love this man. Fresh man. We enter into relationships with people who on the exterior, they appear to be ready to enter into the nest. But you don't take your time to develop enough to be able to know if they can handle the pressures of the nest. Now, I'm going really kind of light on it, but if you really take it in and I go deeper, you begin to understand the dynamics of relationships in terms of the dynamics of handling the atmosphere. 
Can he or she handle you when you're on your worst day? I always tell somebody, I say, one, one thing for me when I look for relationships is, what can you tell me on the day that I want to give up? If on the day that I want to give up, you can't tell me something that's going to bring me back up to want to chase it again, I don't know if I can trust you. So, in talking about this, come real quick. Doesn't this, he looks handsome, doesn't he? I like this. I like, come on, clap for this young man. He's looking fresh. He got the Jesus chain going on with the cross. He's got the turtleneck. He's got the, the, the long peak, peak coat or whatever it's called. Peak coat, trench coat, whatever. The Chelsea boots. He's looking fresh. So on the exterior, he looks great. Would you agree? He looks great. looks presentable. But open this thing up. And what do we have? Insecurity. All right, let's, let's, let's go to Pastor David. Just, just hold this out. And so he looks great. I know his wife is going to shout for him right now. Nay, would you just shout for your husband? <laughs> he said he felt it. He said he felt it. He said he, said he felt it. It ministered to him. You know what I'm saying? It ministered. But he looks great. You know, he has everything going on. He looks powerful. He looks great. But then what happens? You open this up and addiction. All right, stand here. And I don't want you to think that I was being biased towards the men. So we brought a female. Come on, clap for Natasha. And she got, you know, the boots going on. I told her I like these boots today. She got the boots going on with the jeans and everything. But then you open it up and, and, and what's there? Anger. So this is what we do, is that we enter into nests trying to create atmospheres with people who are only good on the outside, but we don't endeavor to take our time to be able to find out who they truly are. Now, the only way to see the addiction, because this is not something you can tangibly come and touch. The only way to see insecurity, you can't tangibly touch it. The only way to see, what is this, anger, you can't tangibly touch it, is to be able to, two things. Number one is to be able to ask questions. When people begin talking to people, they don't ask the right questions. <laughs> You're asking about everything physical, not knowing that this thing is a spiritual thing. So we begin to engage people in conversation at the bodily level, at the physical level, at the carnal level, but you don't take it to God in prayer to discover what is happening on the inside. You see, many times I've come to learn, it's even interesting, I've come to learn even uh, in my own experience, many times that when you begin to talk to somebody, I remember I was in high school, you know, I, I had a girlfriend in high school, I hope my parents are not watching right now, but even... <laughs> Even if they are, it's all good. It's all good. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But I had a girlfriend in high school, and, you know, she was amazing. I loved her. She was great. You know, everything was cool about her. But, but she just had one thing. She had this temper, and because she was so fine, I didn't see the temper. You know what I mean? Like, so I began to suppress this side of her. So we would walk and we would chill and we would talk, put these jackets, cover them again. And we would talk and this is all I would see. So I fell in love with what my eyes could see. But you have to understand that relationships, marriage and everything after that is not about what your eyes can see. Because this thing is a feeling thing. But this thing is a spiritual thing. 
Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that you will see traces of this in their behavior. But because you love them so much and you're physically invested in them, you begin to now just overlook it all. Until you get into the nest and you realize, I'm trying to pray and they're telling me I can't pray. I'm trying to go to church and they say they're no longer Christian. I try... I, I just, I just want to serve God. And they want to go to the club. Like, they're like, yo, downtown's popping. It's Friday night. Let's go. It's popping right now. Let's go. And they want to go to the club. But I want to go to church. And I went to campus first on Thursday. But on our Friday, they want to go out and, and, you know, just have a good time downtown. I'm thinking to myself, what's happening right now? I thought I married or I thought I engaged or I thought I entered into the, net, the nest with somebody that was deeply spiritual. But you didn't do your due diligence. You entered into the nest thinking that they would be a great place for you to birth and a great place for you to launch. Not only to see that there were a, a, a people that couldn't even do both. They couldn't be conducive for your birthing or your launching. They didn't know how to create an atmosphere. They created an atmosphere enough to lure you in and blind you so that you would enter in. <laughs> and in the moment, have you, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm telling a room full of real people. Have you ever been in a relationship before where the talking stage is far greater than the dating stage? I don't know. Maybe people haven't been in... The talking stage is great. The pursuit is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Like, what? What? I'm chasing her like Usain Bolt. Like, I'm chasing you. She's not texting me. I'm still texting back. You're not calling me. I show up at your house. What you saying, boo? You didn't want to go for dinner? I showed up at the spot. I told you, baby, I'm already here. You might as well. I'm already here. Like, the chase is amazing. And then you enter into the relationship, and not everything that glitters is gold. And it's not that you lost respect or you lost the passion to pursue. But what it is, is what you calculated is not what you actually saw when you entered in. Your calculations were off. You miscalculated. You forgot to calculate in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit will prompt you before entering into something. The Holy Spirit will tell. I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm just sharing incredible experiences. Like I said, this is a teaching moment. I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm not trying to do all this type of stuff. I'm sure some people in this room have been in a situation whereby you began to talk to somebody and the Holy Spirit told you, this is not the person. Like, blankly told you. This is not the person. You felt it in your heart. You felt it in your spirit. You knew this was not the way to go, but yet still. Ah, he just looks too good. He just, he knows the right things to say. He, 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 he moves differently. He, he walks differently. I mean, he's everything I prayed for and more. I mean, I saw him. I said, Jesus. And, and what's happening now is that it's pulling on your emotions. But can I tell you something that I've begun to discover as I got older? I, I, I preach different on relationships from when I was 20 to when I'm now. What I discovered is that you don't marry for feelings. No, they're not going to like this word. I know you're not. I know in the back. I know in the back you're not going to like this. I know. 
I know you're not going to like this. But we don't marry for feelings. Love is not a feeling. Love is, hey, Jesus. It's not a feeling. It's not. It's not a feeling. It's not. Why? Because the feelings fade. Talk to somebody who's been married for 45 years. They, they decide to love. I wake up in the morning. Today, baby, I decide to love you. I decide to love you. And how am I loving you? What is my criteria? Ephesians 5. Love me like Christ loves the church. What did Christ do? Christ died. So, fellas, if you can't die for the, lo- the, for the lady, leave her alone. Amen. Ladies, I thought you would scream right there. I thought you would shout right there. I'm not talking about a spiritual death, though. <laughs> Jesus came to die a natural death. <laughs> So what's the criteria for love? The criteria for love for the male is love your wives as Christ loves the church. Christ died for the church. And what's the criteria for the women? Women, honor, respect, and submit to your husbands. What's the benchmark? Christ. Christ is the benchmark. So as women are submitting and respecting their husbands, men are also endeavoring to love the wife as Christ loved the church. So when you begin to look for these things, those are the criteria by which you base. Can I enter into the nest with you? Can I enter into the nest with you? Because if I prematurely enter into the nest, I may be wooed for the first two months. But after some time, I'll realize because you don't love me, the way that I need to be loved, that's biblical, you're not pushing me towards my destiny and launching me towards what I need to. And you're not creating an atmosphere conducive for me to birth my ideas and my dreams and my visions in. Because I miscalculated at the beginning stage. I believe there's like four phases or four stages of relationships. I want you to write this down. Well, you don't have to if you, if you like to. I, I believe there's four stages of romantic relationships. I believe that God prepared Eve with Adam in mind, meaning he fairly acknowledged Adam's strengths and weaknesses and designed Eve to complement the weak areas of Adam. Number one, I believe there's, there's the talking phase. Number two, there's a dating phase. Number three, courting or engaged. Number four, marriage. So these four phases, number one, the talking phase. Number two, I'm talking about the, the dating. Number three, courting or engaged. Number four, the marriage phase. And I believe that all of these four phases all have their own individual things, requirements, uh, and benchmarks to be met in order to move on to the next phase. A lot of the issues that come up in marriages or relationships are because the man or the woman is seeing things from different stages. The woman met the man. The woman in her mind is engaged to the man. The man is just talking to the woman. Two years, we are talking. Three years, we are talking. Five years, we are still talking. How how long are you going to talk? Ten years, we're still talking. Twelve years, we're still talking. Talking, 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 talking. We're still talking. But then the woman in her mind, she's already envisioned her house. She's already picked the colors for her bathroom. She has the his and her sinks already. She already knows where her clothes are going inside the room. She's already lined up her shoes at the top. She's already thought of the wedding she's going to have. You too, you're talking. 
<laughs> so this causes, this causes unhealthy friction. So it's important that through communication, you're able to make sure that as you're in the process of discovering the weaknesses in the individual, you're also in the process of making sure that there is a same level playing field in the, same, in the, in the, in, in the stage or that everybody's on the same page. So that you know, okay, we've now moved into a courting phase. We've now moved into a dating phase. We've, we've, we've come together to agree that this is what we are going to do. I feel that miscommunication is one of the biggest things killing relationships today. That without clear, clear communication, rather, without clear communication, it's, it's impossible to be able to know what is in the heart of a person. So that's why we begin to ask the Holy Spirit before entering into the nest, Lord, reveal to me and show me, A, is this the person I'm supposed to be talking to? Two, what are their strengths and or weaknesses? So you begin to ask questions and you look for observations of behavior that you'll be able to now root back to either anger or whatever the situation is. From there, then you begin to look to see how can we work through these things. Can we work through these things? Can they be worked through? Can they be worked on? Can I deal with it? What are my non-negotiables? What can't I live with? What can I live with? And then from there, then we move on and on and on. Please clap for these uh, great people that are here. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Right before we go, can I give you just four things, four characteristics um, that you know that somebody would be uh, a great person to enter into a launching pad with? Can I give you four things? Number one, the individual sees what God is saying about you, and they see you through the lenses of your tomorrow. Number one, they see what God is saying about you, and they see you through the lenses of your tomorrow. They may see you in one phase to be like, hey, I see that you're at one level today. But I know in my heart of hearts that you won't stay at this level. I know in my heart that God has called you to be a prophet to the nations. I know in my heart that God has called you to do incredible things. So what do I do is that I, I encourage you towards your tomorrow. And you can witness that even from before entering into a nest. They call you, hey, have you, have you gone to school today? How is that vision coming along? They're more interested in your tomorrow than your today. That's one thing. Are you being blessed? Sure. Number two, they care more about you before they care about your gift or grace. You see, they care for the person before they care for the performance. They care for the person before the performance. Because it won't always be high energy. There's sometimes you're tired. You just want to eat. You just want to hang out. You just want to chill. They care for the person you are while you're on downtime and off season. As well as while you're in season. The Bible says... We are to be ready in season and out of season. If I can borrow that, I would say that you're a partner or the individual in the future. Because right now we're in three phases. Either you are uh, not ready yet, you are ready and in waiting, you're in, or you're married already. In these, these, these phases that we're in, it's important to know that through all of these phases, the individual must 
respect where you are and also what you do at the same time. Number three, this is a big one. This individual must respect your family. I thought you would clap or at least a something. You know, something. They respect your family. They respect your family enough to know that they, placed, they played a role in the composition of your destiny. They respect your family enough to know, hey, I respect you because without you, I wouldn't have this husband. I wouldn't have this wife. I wouldn't have this person that I'm trying to talk to or I'm going to talk to. So I respect your family. And the last one for today, and this is, this is one thing that I think is so huge and so timely, especially for what our generation is known for. Number four is that they put their dreams on, or rather they can put their dreams on hold if it's better timing for yours to manifest. Mm. Yeah. You see, because what we have now is if you both enter into this nest right here, okay, and you're both trying to birth at the same time, and you're both trying to launch at the same time, who will take care of the nest while the other person is trying to launch? <laughs> so it has to be one at a time. So the individual must be able to put their dreams on hold. You know, I remember my mom, when my dad uh, started ministry, my mom always wanted to become a nurse. And when my dad entered ministry and my mom began to have myself and my three brothers, um, my dad said, you know what? Please stay home. They both agreed and said, I'm going to stay home and I'm going to raise these boys so that you can go out and do the ministry. And my mom put her dreams on hold for like, I think probably for like maybe 12 or 13 years, put her dreams on hold just so that my dad can pursue his dreams because it was the right time for him to manifest his. So unless we have a clear vision of the timings of God, um, we need that and it's, it's, it's important for the future. Let me give you just a couple more before we go. Characteristics of a godly relationship. Number one, questions are asked about the posture and the purpose. Questions are asked about the posture and the purpose. characteristics of a godly relationship. Questions are asked about purpose and posture. I'll just go through this very quickly. Number two, commitments are made to better each other's weaknesses. Commitments are made to better each other's weaknesses. Number three, sex is not the foundation of the relationship. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is the foundation. Number four, forgiveness is second nature. Forgiveness is second nature. Forgiveness is second nature. I want us to be up on our feet tonight. I told you tonight I didn't, I didn't come to preach. I came here to teach tonight. I wanted to really make sure that we understand this foundation for relationships. It's super essential. Did you learn something today? Were you blessed by this in somehow, some way? Did you learn something? Did you know something that you didn't know before? Were you blessed in some way? Awesome. Awesome.
It's not enough to be naturally attracted to somebody who's spiritually ugly. <laughs> naturally beautiful. Naturally beautiful, spiritually ugly. No. If you forgot everything or anything I've said in this service, never forget this analogy that I put up there. They look great. But on the inside, there's stuff they need to work on. Everybody has stuff they need to work on. But there are some things that you should know before you enter. And you should use the courtship phase. Because every phase has things you're supposed to work on. We don't have time to get into that. But you should use the courtship phase in order to work out these things before you enter into the nest, which is marriage. In this moment right now, I don't know what level you are. You may be uh, not yet ready. and But one day you will get married at some point. You may... You know, be in waiting, you may be in a relationship, or you may be married. Whatever phase you find yourself, I want you to pray that God would help you strengthen your relationships. Either your future relationships or your current relationships. I want you to just open up your mouth for the next few minutes and begin to pray out to God and ask him to strengthen that relationships. This may not be useful to you today, but it will be useful to you tomorrow. Open up your mouth for just a few minutes. If you understood that, that family is the first ministry... <laughs> you would open up your mouths and pray right now. Come on, God, strengthen my relationships. Strengthen them. Strengthen my relationships, Lord. Strengthen them. Strengthen. Strengthen. Strengthen my relationships, God. Strengthen my relationships. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, Lord. Yeah, strengthen. Help us, Lord, to strengthen them. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Strengthen them. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. Strengthen our relationships. Strengthen our relationships. Give us perspective. Pray for an atmosphere. An atmosphere. An atmosphere that would launch and birth. An atmosphere that would launch and birth. God, I don't want to enter into anything that would hinder me from who you've called me to be. I don't want to just fall in love with the performance of a person. I want to fall in love with the purpose of the person. I don't want to fall in love with just the warrior of the person. I want to fall in love with the worshiper of the person. Yes. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Strengthen them. Strengthen them in the name of Jesus. 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 Oof. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus' name. Now, I want us to take just, I know time is fast spent. I want us to take just two quick minutes right now, and I want us to begin to pray specifically. Can I just see by raise hand who is, who's not married in this place? Who's not married?
who is not married. Okay, so there's a, a whole number of people here, a large number of people here who are not married. Now, if you understand anything about the spiritual realm, which you guys definitely do, you understand that when it comes to marriage, that that is the thing that is attacked one of the most, one of the things that is attacked the most, because after your decision to give your life to Jesus, the second most important decision is who you marry. It's who you marry. Marriage, like my dad says, is like an elevator. Whoever you enter into the elevator with can either take you up or bring you down. What we're praying right now for the next two minutes, and I want you to begin to really pray about this seriously, is that God, you would lead me to my perfect will. Like I don't, God, I, I can't make, please, I can't make a mistake. I don't need to make it. God, lead me. Some of us may be in relationships that's not God's will right now. You know, a couple years ago, I preached a sermon. I think it was like four years ago or so. I preached a sermon on sacrifice, and the whole church broke up with everybody. I told everybody, I say, by 12 midnight, everybody should break up, break up, break up, break up. You remember? I said, it's not the season for relationships. Everybody's in school, second year, first year. Are you going to get married to the person tomorrow? No. So then why are you in a relationship? You just create more room for the enemy. You can't tell me you're going to be in a relationship for four years and not sleep with the person. Or not try to do any, anything with the person. No. So it's for your benefit and for your safety that you take a step away from each other to be able to know who God has created you to be because the moment you know who God has created you to be then you know how you can be able to enter into the nest with somebody who knows your weaknesses and has strengths for your weaknesses so I began to if you're going to clap, clap on the Jesus you see now, prof we're leaving right now but you know what I know that these are not popular sermons to preach. You know why? Because these are sermons of purpose. And any time a sermon of purpose is preached, the devil fights it. Anytime. Anytime a sermon of purpose is preached, the enemy fights those type of sermons. Because your soul would want you to make a decision when your spirit has something defined for you. So I want you to pray like this is a serious, serious prayer point right now. Is that God... May I never miss my perfect will. My goodness. May I never miss my perfect will. And if you're married, pray that your kids will never miss the perfect will. Come on, open up your mouth right now. Can you clap your hands? Let's pray for just two minutes. Just, just two minutes. Just two minutes. God, I won't miss just two minutes. Just two minutes. Come on. Open up your mouth. Just two minutes. Let's pray. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We hope that God blessed you through this word, and we hope that you can be a partner, subscribe, and share with your friends. We can't wait to see you next time. God bless you.